like a choose your own adventure book, you know, it's just, it's, it's, we should always choose the path that makes us feel lit up. Welcome to the Superwell Podcast, your source for truly holistic and original perspectives on health and happiness. Each week, we take true dives into the key areas of life with true leaders and true conversations. It's your time for a super well life. Hello, super well team. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Some of you might be watching this online because it's our first ever YouTube version of the podcast too, so that's pretty exciting. Now, I just wanted to give you a quick update on where Superwell the podcast is going. Originally, when I set Superwell up as a brand, it was intended for my clinic. And the idea behind Superwell was to mirror this um, idea of the well in the past, which was the center point of the town. Now, people would congregate around the well. They would come together as a community, have positive and meaningful connection. They would share ideas and information. They would all become better because of these meaningful interactions. Plus, because the well provided water, it was an essential component for the expression of life and vitality within the town and all the living inhabitants, both um, animal and plant-based, um, within the town to try and thrive. So it was a crucial, crucial component. And we, don't, we no longer need that now, but uh, we, we are lacking this centre point uh, within our villages, within our towns, where people can congregate, share information, and also get... Um, assistance with expressing that optimum health and well-being. So uh, a small little direction, we're going to call the clinic uh, The Village Well. That'll happen at some point this year. And Super Well has now um, become this idea of a central point uh, that people can access from all around the world. People can congregate in one place to get information that will help them live a better and happier life. So with the podcast, that means we're going to shift the the content slightly, only very slightly. Originally, we had three types of episode, a solution, a topical, and a beacon, and they were deep dives into um, some sort of syndrome or issue where the practitioners within the practice would come together and discuss that. We're still going to do those episodes. We've got some great um, themes lined up for this year. The second one, the topical, was based on something that was happening in that particular time of the calendar. So... For instance, back to school in February, um, we might have some conversations around that. And then the third type was the beacon, where we try and interview people who are health and wellness leaders um, that are doing great things to try and improve people from a health and wellness perspective, either through a product or a service and so forth. We're still going to do the solutions episode, as I said. The beacons are going to have a slight shift and we're probably going to drop the topical ones out. Now, the beacons are going to still have some of those health and wellness leaders because it's important to hear from these people who are um, who are rich with information and knowledge um, that they can share with our listeners. But I'm also introducing a, a slightly different version of the beacon and it's people who I feel are more attainable because um, often with these health and wellness leaders, they're so far into their journey that sometimes the average Joe can find it hard to connect with them or, or relate to how those people live in their life. And it's just a step too far. So I want to try and find people who are your everyday folk um, that are living exceptional lives though. Uh, and those people can give us some hints and some tips. Um, they can be our leaders in trying to help us get the most out of ourselves along our journey as well. There's six pillars that Superwell kind of sits on and they are food, movement, mindset, connection um, and community, 
environment and um, surrounds and sleep. So I've tried to find people that I know that are doing really well in some of this um, stuff, in all of them, in fact, if I can find people that are excelling at all, they're the, they're the people we want to talk to. And also I'm looking at people who are doing businesses who are just your every, everyday person who, who perhaps haven't um, shot the lights out and have some huge international or even national, nationally recognized business. But um, regardless, have a great story and have a great business that would be awesome from a community perspective, from gathering around the well to start to introduce people to these businesses so that they can access them and it can help people um, who are growing these businesses along the way too. Okay, so without further ado, our first guest in the theme of what I've just spoken about is a great friend of mine named Lynn Gilmartin. I've known Lynn since I was a teenager and she's living an exceptional life and you'll hear her story shortly when we jump into the podcast. Um, and she sort of goes by the mantra, life's good. And her life is good. In fact, it's great. And it comes back to some simple methods that she has in place. One of those being her, her um, I guess, way that she makes decisions. And you'll hear her talk about this, that she just sort of makes one decision at a time and tries to make it the best decision she, she can. And if she does something that she feel is less than optimum in a particular area of her life, like eating something or um, not exercising to level, she doesn't hang, um, get hung up on it. She just sort of moves on to the next decision and tries to make the next decision the best one she can. And she makes a lot of great decisions. And, as she, and that is why she has a, um, a, such a great life. Now, you'll, you'll hear lots of stuff. She's a great inspiration. Um, I hope you get a lot from her journey. Personally, I've already got a couple of things that I've started to implement in the past um, 24 hours since I interviewed her yesterday that have um, helped balance me out a little bit already. So enjoy the interview. If you know anyone like Lynn or any other stories of people that you think are doing exceptional, I'd love to hear about those people and maybe get them on the podcast as well. So just shoot me an email or um, comment in the box below and we can arrange that. Enjoy. Okay, here we have Lynn, the familiar voice from the, um, the voice at the top, as we put it. Uh, You're probably sick of hearing that intro now, my voice on repeat. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, every time I hear it, I, I, sometimes I forget when I'm, when I'm putting it together. I'm like, oh, there's Lynn. Uh, yeah. I'm so stoked and honoured to be a part of your podcast. Thank you. That's great. Great. Uh, so I, f I feel like, um, as we've discussed, that you are displaying a really great um, amount of leadership in terms of balance and how to lead a balanced life and meet um, lots of different criteria that help you be the best version of you. So uh, no worries. I, I feel there'd be some great information we can share with our listeners around how you can achieve that. Um, so I think uh, at, to kick off, we, why don't we do a little bit of who you are, where you've come from, um, so people get to know who Lynn is, and then we'll go from there. All right, I'll give you the very short summary. Um, yeah. But, well, you and I have known each other a long time, since we were teenagers. Yes, um, yes. So I grew up in Melbourne, um, same town as you, and I always, as a child, dreamed of being a performer, an actor. I was always dancing. I, I just loved performing. But then I kind of, as I got to high school, I was bullied a lot and re... I sort of uh, put that aside, thinking that I wasn't good enough uh, to, to pursue that 
unrealistic dream and convinced myself I needed to go to university and get a real job. So I did that and I, I studied marketing and got a great job at Crown Casino straight out of, of uni. And, uh, and I really enjoyed that career path. Um, but when I was a few years into working there um, and I was working in the poker department, my boss wanted to start a YouTube channel, which was very new back then. And she wanted to interview whenever we had celebrities come in for big poker events like Shane Warne and stuff. And uh, we didn't have a budget for it because no one understood what online content was back then. So she wasn't able to get the funding. So, so me being the little marketing assistant that was a wannabe actress, a child actress, I was like, I'll do it, you know? And so I started interviewing poker players and celebrities when they'd come in the room. Uh, and I just loved it. It just lit me up and it just kind of resurrected that young girl's dream in me. And um, that sort of snowballed into uh, an opportunity with a, an online channel called Poker News that would come out for our big poker events uh, like two, two times a year. They needed a reporter uh, in the poker world in the Asia Pacific region. And so I made this huge huge decision in, in and it was in 2009 when like the after the global financial crisis and you know it, it, all these stories about how hard it is to get a job and I had this fantastic corporate career and I was climbing the ladder I'd just gotten a promotion and you know I just looked like I was on this great trajectory uh on paper for a great career and I was only 24 years old but this opportunity came up to quit that and fly to Vegas and start working for this rinky dink website that I knew nothing about just hosting YouTube videos on the poker circuit, which is just <laughs> such a like, so left of center. And, but it just, the idea of it excited me to my core. And, um, it took me a little while to make the decision, but I thought, you know what, screw it. I'm going to. So I quit my job and I moved to Vegas and, uh, that was 10 years ago and I've never looked back. It's kind of snowballed into this, uh, world tour that I've been on ever since then. And I was working for the website for four years, which ended up being this like four year audition for the job I have now, which is the anchor of the world poker tour on Fox sports. And when I got that job, I moved to LA, which again was my dream as a child. And I've been living here in LA now for um, almost eight years, which I can't believe. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and I, so I've been here and I've been, and I've been hosting that show, which is just a dream. And in between, I, I thought, you know, when I moved here, I was really intimidated by the idea of taking an acting class because it's like the Olympics, you know, but yeah. <laughs> it's on my mind because that's all I was fixated on as a child. Um, and so anyway, after a few years of living here, I ended up sort of giving it a crack and like taking a class and, and, and taking more classes. And I just absolutely, I just felt like I belonged again uh, when I was in a theatre class. And um, I just, yeah, so I've sort of, in my 30s have sort of resurrected that childhood dream that I had shut down because of bullying really and not believing in myself and and and, and putting my my passion aside and now I'm just so stoked to be playing again on camera and playing with characters and playing with stories and um, that's yeah that's me in a nutshell that's a that's you in a nutshell do you know <clears throat> it's funny um, last night I remembered something that you, you, there's no way you will remember this, but um, we used to train in the same gym in Altham. And, yes, of course I remember that. Yeah, and um, I worked there and then I remember one day I was working and we were talking about um, MySpace, right? <laughs> and you were on the step up and I, like, I have such a vivid memory of this 
and you said to me, um, there's this new thing called Facebook um, <laughs> that's just starting. You need to sign up and get a Facebook. Um, and then... Teaching ourselves, Yoey. <laughs> I know, I know. It's bad. Um, when you were talking about YouTube being a new thing, it just come back to my mind then again. Like you're, you're always, you have always been uh, on the pulse with that stuff, which is um, kind of cool. Yeah, I've always, well, and you know, even though I sort of describe my uh, redirection into to getting my marketing degree, I actually see it as this beautiful uh, uh, addition to, to what it is that I'm doing. Having a, an understanding of marketing, and I always was fixated on social media marketing, and I just mm. have always had this love for social media, and I've always yeah. been, like you said, like, what's the new thing? Like right now I'm playing around with TikTok, even though I have no business as a 34 year old or five year old to be on there. But um, I just want to, I just love playing with content and I've always, I've always really enjoyed that. So it's so funny that you said that and you remember that. I know. And you know, the other thing that I remembered, which I've never placed in, in the, the way that um, you described it then is the, um, the time when we, we discussed you taking this job, right? Like you called me and we were having a chat on the phone. I was sitting at the front of um, one of my friend's clinics on Richardson Street in Middle Park. We talked for a while and you, um, I know I'm sounding a little bit stalkerish here, sorry. But um, I just have a good, good, I have a good visual memory um, for this stuff. And then, um, yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, what an opportunity, what an opportunity. But I never really contemplated from your perspective of letting go. Like, you know, you had a leap of faith, um, leaving something that's secure in you, in the job that you had, the career you had. Um, for me, I was just looking at it from the perspective of, hey, this should be fun, but um, not really thinking about how disruptive it could be to your life and, and where you end up right. and how big of a decision it actually was, right? Um, so um, maybe let's talk uh, a little bit about that in terms of, uh, make, making a leap of faith, you know, we had a, there's people who probably have opportunities all the time presented to them, but perhaps, um, shy away because, uh, they're a little bit, um, scared of how, um, that may, um, that may turn out for them. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it's the, the fun choice usually has the scariest consequences when we're contemplating the the, uh, the possible outcomes. And yeah. our fear-based thinking is always going to go to the disaster direct, like outcome and be like, well, what if it after two months it all falls apart and then what, I have to start again and like start my whole career all over again? Or, you know, I'll, I'll be left and I, I won't have any money and all of these things. How can I pay for my rent? We just instantly go to that, which is good because that protects us. And and then it's, it's good that we... we, we rationalizing our, our decisions but my mom really helped me when I was making that decision one night I was sitting on my bed because I, like you know I was just I just had no idea what to do and I was trying to get you know friends opinions of like what should I do and when you're stuck within it and it, it, to, to make it a scary leap it's it's just it's paralyzing and so my mom had me sit on my bed one night and close my eyes and she said just imagine two circles and one circle is staying where you are right now everything that you're experiencing stays as it is the other circle is if you make this change and she's like just close your eyes don't think about anything else just focus on this one circle and take a step into the circle of you know circle number one which is nothing changes and how do you feel like what's the first word that comes to your head like how how, how is it that you feel and then i did the same with circle number two and the the, and that, that's what really kind of made me 
confirm what it was that I, what choice I should make. And no one knows if it was the right choice because we don't have a rewind. And so we'll never know. It's like a choose your own adventure book. You know, it's just, it's like, we should always choose the path that makes us feel lit up. You know, we're so lucky to just be waking up in the morning and taking a breath. You know, why would we live in a miserable way out of fear-based choices just to be safe and secure? I mean, yes, we want our safety, but it's just finding that balance of, okay, so I'm safe and I'm secure, but am I happy? And, and then, you know, but then you don't want to be destructive and go down a path where you're, completely like just chasing a high and then you're not uh safe whatsoever and then you're kind of on this like adrenaline roller coaster um but it's just always finding that balance and 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 just trying to choose what's 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 right for you but it's scary when you're when you're stuck in the decision making (laughs) oh no doubt uh look as you talk through that um obviously you've done a lot of personal development stuff i i remember seeing you at various points of me thinking um when you've posted stuff on social media, oh, look at Lynn's reading or, you know, look at she's into now. Um, you've clearly done a lot of self-development and, um, and I guess, mind growth uh, over the journey. And, and even when you're talking there, you can hear it coming through in your language um, that you have um, definitely um, got great powers of consideration. Do you have um, a particular line on that like do you have something that you think people should be doing or people um or or that has benefited you that you could advise people that they should venture into um as part of that growth experience as well yeah uh, i just think every day constantly questioning yourself in a nurturing way but questioning why why you're making choices that you're making why you're doing habits that you're doing is it because it's like, is it more of a self-destructive thing? Is it because you have carrying some shame for something? Like, why is it that I'm, uh, why is it that I'm putting makeup on? Is it because I'm hiding my face because I hate it? Or is it because I love playing and I find it an artistic process? Because they're two very different choices. Yeah. And then always just trying to just nurture yourself into to approval and into self-love and, and by doing it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise. You know, the brain is just like, and this is so corny to say, everyone always says it, but it's true. It's just a muscle, just like your biceps. It's you've got to continually train it, and and it's not like you can just read a couple books and then get there and then you're good because it's the same as the gym. You can lift weights and get great biceps, but if you stop the maintenance, they go away. So you have to maintain and keep it up. So always like discovering more about yourself through books, through podcasts, through listening to other people's perspectives and questioning everything about yourself because everything we think and all of the behaviors that we, we uh, have in our lives have been programmed Yeah, from our parents, from our friends as children, from TV, whatever, it, everything's programming. So our whole adulthood is really just should be spent on undoing all of the programming that we learned as children. I, it's when you said that uh, it, it made me also think when you were talking about your mum giving you advice. Uh, obviously, your mum had to take a leap of faith and move countries at some point in time uh, as well. And I, I thought about something that I I had reflected on at one point, and that my mum and dad went on their first overseas trip long after my first overseas trip, and I perhaps didn't understand the value of travel and stuff to the extent of that I do now because 
um, they had never been able to embed it within me because they had never had the opportunity to do it um, up until then, right? So uh, her taking the leap of faith that she did and having been in a position like to advise, like that to advise you was clearly um, an instrumental component of, of the decision-making process for you as well. Of course. And I'm so grateful. You know, my parents are amazing and they've always been very open-minded. And I grew up in new age bookshops. My mom used to have Louise Hay podcasts on before podcasts were even a thing, you know, she would be listening to recorded tapes and stuff. And, um, you know, as a kid, when I, when I had lots of issues at school and, and, and I felt, I always felt like an outsider. I, I always felt I was just desperate for approval, which is why I'm an actor. I just love to get approval. As a kid, I was constantly seeking it and, you know, and, and um, uh, I would suffer so much uh, because of that. And I used to have nosebleeds every night after school from bullying and from just, and a lot of it was probably made up in my head. A lot of it that was happening probably wasn't even real, but in my child mind, it was very real. And um, my, my nose would bleed all the time from the stress. And my mom would sit me in her bathroom with toilet paper stuck up my nose. And I had to chant on repeat, I approve of myself. I approve of myself, which was one of Louise Hayes' mantras for, uh, you know, trying to love yourself. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was in the 90s, you know, no one had discussions like that. No one, you know, would be meditating. It was so foreign back then. So I'm so grateful that I grew up with that kind of influence yeah. with my parents. And you're right, it's brave for a mum to, to uh, convince her child, or not even convince, but to to not even try sway her in the safe direction of staying home. Because, of yeah. course, a, a parent wants their child to stay home and be be in arm's reach but to sort of let me spread my wings and chase my dream even if it means that she's going to see me a lot less and I'm going to go to a country I've never gone to before in Vegas on the poker scene that sounds yeah. awful <laughs> um, yeah that was really brave of her too absolutely yeah good on her like seriously that that's incredible um but you know incredible display of love as well um yeah. from her uh so you have great consciousness around many things and obviously because of this self this questioning that you do this self-reflection and and thinking about um not just yourself but your place in the world and the world beyond you and how the world then impacts you again coming backwards the other direction you have uh done lots of great things um so let's talk about um some of of that uh the other we just joked before we got on this podcast a little bit about the pants you're wearing the other day on instagram that are made from ocean plastic um, you have you have a great environmental heart where does that come from and um, and um, how where are your passions within that space at the moment uh, I'm just constantly trying to be a good person for myself and for everyone around me and just always again questioning what can I do better and trying to be conscious I'm trying yeah. to be a conscious human in the yeah. world because it's so easy to not be and uh, most of my life I haven't been and you just do things and you buy things without realizing what your dollar is voting for. Um, and now thanks to so many of the conversations that are now becoming more of a mainstream conversation and now thanks to the internet and um, we're, 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 it's much easier now to be a more conscious human and, yeah. and to realize that the choices that we make are having an impact um, on us and I'm by no means am I perfect god no you know I, I yeah. still get you know uber eats in the plastic packaging you know and I'm not 
but it's like making as many of the choices that you can and not putting the pressure on yourself to be perfect because that's not that's it's, it's that's impossible um but just trying to make better decisions one decision at a time and actually the the biggest uh, a huge shift that that helped me as a child, like my whole life, I've always felt weird about eating animals. And I don't preach about veganism. I, I think that we're all biologically quite different and some people might thrive on a meat diet, who knows. But for me, I just, I thrive on a plant-based diet. Um, and I haven't eaten meat in eight years. But when I was a child or like as a teenager, it always interested me, the idea of going vegetarian. I just felt uncomfortable about the idea that that steak on my plate had a mother and I just didn't like it. And, um, but then going vegetarian was such an, uh, a daunting and overwhelming choice to make because suddenly I'm setting myself up for failure, for a possible failure. There's a whole new bunch of rules that I now have to follow. Um, you know, if I do that. And so, especially when I started traveling, you know, I was like, well, that would be impossible to be vegetarian because I'm eating on the road all the time. I'd be so restricted. I had all these excuses. And so I just kept eating meat. And then one day I was, uh, one night I was out for dinner with um, one of Angel's friends and his girlfriend who I hadn't met before. And they're real hippie. And the girl, um, you know, I was so fascinated. I was always fascinated by vegetarianism. And we were ordering our dinner and she ordered a vegetarian meal and so I was like oh, are you vegetarian like so interested and intrigued and she goes well yeah kind of but I don't label it that sentence floored me she had no intention of like making an impact she just said that sentence it changed my life I was like oh my god yes I'm overwhelmed by the label I'm attaching to this choice when really I could just order the mushroom pasta rather than the chicken whatever like I just it, it doesn't have to be suddenly this new set of rules and I might fail it's just one meal at a time and okay yeah. what if I do give in and I have a steak in five days whatever those other four days I made a positive impact on the world because I ate less meat so yeah. it's not like you have to be one or the other just make reductions where you can and and, and just be conscious in the choices that you make yeah that's uh such wise wise words I mean that I I still eat meat. I've tried to be completely plant based at different pe periods of time, but um, various um, I don't know whether you follow different um, d diet schools of thought or whatever people like people do. Um, I tend to be like a big protein eater. Like if I, I lose a lot of weight if I don't eat meat and um, I feel lethargic. But I, what I've done over time though is made better choices, just like you're suggesting. So. I procure my meat from a better source, from a sustainable organic, you know, farm. It costs me a lot more too, which means I buy a lot less of it. Um, yeah. Or my cousin, my cousin recently shot a deer um, and he said something to me. Uh, he's in the army and he, he does like um, electronics and stuff. And, but he, his statement was similar to um, Angel's friend. It was a really wise statement. Um, he said to me, you are not going to find, because he shot it in the head. I know that sounds horrific, but um, he goes, you're not going to find a healthier piece of meat. This animal had a lovely life living off the land. It's been organic, happy. There's no emotional stress to its body. Up until the moment that it died, it had the happiest possible life it, poss it could. So that meat is going to contain that energy and health um, aspect within it. I'm like, good on you, man. Um, you're making me feel better about eating this. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm all for that. And that's why I never preach about 
don't eat meat or whatever, even though I personally don't think that we, but it's the way that we're eating yeah. it. It's the disconnect that we have from it. It's yeah. people look at this piece of steak the same way they look at their potatoes because it's so cheap and accessible because of yeah. the mass production, which is just such a snowball effect on our planet and our own health, which you know. So um, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I'll always only preach is if you're going to eat it, just in, vote with your dollar and 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 like you like if you if you can hunt go for it and and that's yeah, uh, yeah i i'm not against that whatsoever yeah and it's um i watched this uh my my little daughter who's three loves documentaries you've met alki before she of just course like, she does. she's just such a little brain she's, such <laughs> she's so funny anyway we were watching one the other day with monkeys and chimpanzees and there were these chimpanzees eating meat and i was like so they they hunt as a pack but they don't they don't often eat meat because their attempts at trying to catch things are not successful. Um, and it made me think of this whole evolutionary cycle of human beings and our intelligence growing and our, our weaponry being able to, you know, to, and our farming practices being able to um, allow us to eat meat at a far greater frequency than we're designed to. Um, right. So even if you are omnivorous, like the, yes, they're eating meat, but the statement in that documentary straight after that, and remember they're genetically very similar to us, um, the statement after it is of their mostly plant-based diet, right? It's a small addition to their mostly plant-based diet. And I think um, what happens in that conversation is that people often forget that plants, plants need to be the majority of what we, what we eat because they have so much value for us in that regard as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get back onto something else because we could just probably spend hours talking about food. Um, and I, we both love food. I know you love food too. Oh, love it. You know, that's actually what gets me out of bed in the morning, breakfast. I wake up so happy every morning because I'm just like, breakfast, I love yeah. food. <laughs> yes, I know, same. And um, Alki comes into our bed every morning and um, have a bit of a cuddle. And I love the mornings where after like 15 seconds, she goes, I'm hungry. Can we go and have some breakfast? And then I'm like, yes, let's get up. Let's go and eat because um, I'm a bit same. Mm. So uh, this traveling has, has um, obviously taken you to some amazing places. You, you, you get to see the world, um, you get to see different cultures, which is obviously also fuel for your mind and allows you to see the positive and negative impact of um, uh, the human imprint um, on the world. Um, have, have, has that um, shaped you in any way in terms of looking forward? If you were to try and um, make decisions for the world, for everyone, um, has the opportunity of travel helped you see that um, perhaps lessons that people wouldn't understand? Um, and if you have got some, can you share some? Some things that you think um, that may not be that relevant. I'll give you one as an example that might help you to go over. So yeah. when I went to Thailand to visit my mate Anto, he, uh, he um, lived in this place and all of his little jobs, um, he got done by other people. And you think you, one perspective of that was that, oh, he's rich compared to everyone else. But another perspective is that um, when I started talking to him, say there's a lot like a wash and fold place for his laundry. Um, I was talking to him about that and he said, well, it's not just me, like not just because I've got money. Everyone um, over there does that because um, no, they all have small houses, they don't have laundries. But besides that, that's how their community set up. Like they all have their little tasks. They all work together to help each other um, live as a community and, and everyone kind of stays happy, you know, and Thailand is, you know, the happy place. So 
Um, I was just a little lesson from travel that I got. I'm like, well, people do need to work more to try and encourage each other's growth, you know, um, not just look at ourselves as individuals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have two stories you've inspired me to tell, actually. And one is similar in that way. Uh, so Angel is from Mexico and it's very similar culturally in that way where uh, we coming from Australia, we're a very DIY culture, right? Mm -hmm. Like we do everything ourselves pretty much. And it, it's only really if you're in the very like upper class, would you have like a housekeeper or something? You know, it's not, it's not common uh, like it is in Mexico or in Thailand. And so Angel grew up his whole life with, with, um, a housekeeper, you know, and, and, and it's just very normal in Mexico to, to have that. But, and so it, when I went there, I realized though, there's all of these service based jobs that are really quite innovative. And like, like we, when Angel and I first started dating, we were in, in Vegas together and we had a rental car and I had to teach him how to put the, how to fill up the petrol. Cause he had never done it before. He didn't oh, really? know how to do it. And I was giving him so much crap. Cause I was like, I cannot believe like you spoiled silver spoon child, but it wasn't because of that. It's not that he was spoiled. It's just that in that culture to keep the, the economy going for, for the, the masses, you know, it's just, a, it, if he was to fill up his own petrol in the, his own car, that's taking a job away from someone. So when you go to the petrol station in Mexico, there's a bunch of guys there and you pay them to fill up the petrol. And it's, it's, it's just, that's just another, that's another job. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to pay that person. And then that's how that person feeds his family. And that's just what keeps it going. And so it's just, it is very different. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so different to get used to. But I had a huge, uh, unexpected feeling when I first went to the Philippines. Um, I went for a work trip and I was staying at this five-star Shangri-La resort. It was beautiful and it was um, it was just magic. And uh, I had um, sponsor started sponsoring a child like the year prior uh, in Cebu in 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 the Philippines. So I was super excited that I was going to the Philippines for work and which meant that I could go and meet this kid that I've been sponsoring. So I set up a, a day to go and visit his village. I was so nervous in the lead up to it because I thought I was going to be riddled with, with guilt and anxiety about seeing how he lives and going to that village and then going back to this five-star resort. I didn't think I'd be able to sleep at night and live with myself, you know, but instead the complete opposite happened. I went I went and spent the day at the village and it was such an amazing day going and seeing, yes, they don't have many resources. They live in like huts that don't have doors. They just have sheets hanging, for example, you know, but what I saw was such a community. All of the mothers were all out at like this, this, this communal little laundry thing they had set up. And there was like 10 women all together laughing and they're together and they're washing the clothes together. And, you know, yes, they're sitting on the ground, but they're together and they were smiling. And then the kids are running around with no shoes on and, and just with the chickens and, the, and they're just laughing. They're swinging off branches. They're just diving into the rivers and they're just fearless. And everyone was smiling. Everyone was happy and full of energy. And then I go back to this resort that night and I go in and I walk through and I remember getting into the, into the lift and this guy comes in the lift, head in his phone, doesn't even look at me, doesn't even say hi, just looks down and then walks out again. And I'm just walking past all these people who are just ignoring me. And I just thought, what is this? This is just isolated misery. 
that we're yeah. in. Yes, it's shiny and it's polished, but what the hell? Like there has to be a balance. And I just, I couldn't believe that that was a feeling. And in fact, I couldn't wait to get back to the village. I was like, I'm going back before I leave again because I just loved my day uh, with them. So finding the balance of, of having resources you need to be safe, but also to have that community spirit and that, that non-attachment, they don't have much at all, but it just showed that you don't need much. And I think what we're living through right now with this isolation and now suddenly all of these things that we really never needed, um, that were luxury choices to make, like going out for a nice dinner or whatever, or going to the movies and all these things. We don't need it. We're okay at home with the basics. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I shared that podcast the other day with Charles Eisenstein, with Rich Roll. And I think um, he talks about, um, he, when he talks in that about our world and what we're designed, like we're a species, we're an animal species, human beings, we're, we're meant to be connected with each other. And at one part he was talking about um, what happens in um, disastrous situations, you know, people, people bind together. You know, when, when, when something bad happens, generally the best comes out of us. You know, we, we try and um, get around each other. We try and help each other. You know, people, a lot of the time, I mean, with this um, COVID issue, there has been some hoarding, you know, the toilet paper stuff and all that craziness. But on the, um, on the best part, people have tried to help each other. And then you hear all these heartwarming stories of people buying stuff and going and dropping it off to elderly people and that because as a human being our natural position when everything gets stripped away is to be a connected individual you know connected to other people we're a community-based species and this is the situation right now is helping us understand that um that we that is you know and things like this they're they're great they allow us to have some connection but like you said earlier it's about making conscious decisions um around how you choose to use these things you know they can make your life more colorful um, but they can also make it a lot darker if you're not really conscious of, of um, how you're using it. Um, sure. Which and, you know, one of the easiest ways just to implement, just to make a slight shift in your day back when we can socialize and go out on the streets is just looking up and making eye contact with strangers that you walk by and smiling. Just smile. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to say, hey, just smile at strangers. It makes you feel really good. <laughs> yeah, it does. And you know what? I was quite shy when I was younger, um, at high school and stuff. Um, uh, and I still have more of a shy nature, even though I like force myself out of it a lot of the time. Um, but my, one of my great mates, Damien, he, um, I've learned a lot from this guy. He's, he's been one of the people who've influenced me the most. Um, Damo, if you're listening to this, kudos to you. I'll probably won't say, say it to your face cause we joke around too much. Uh, but anyway, he, um, one thing I learned from him early on everywhere he went, to cafes, to wherever, he always knew everyone's name. He always introduced himself. He built a relationship with them. And um, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so then I started trying to force myself, you know, to talk to people more. And then um, it became a more natural state of being. So when we were living um, recently in Albert Park, there's lots of parks. People take their kids to the parks because they don't really have space in their house. Um, and Georgie, my wife, she always sort of gave me stick um, about me talking to everyone because I just talked to everyone uh, because yeah. it's good to look up. It's good to talk to people. You never know what their stories are. It's great to make connections and it makes life more enjoyable when you, when you even if they're just um, fleeting little conversations, it's better than reading some shit news article on your phone that um, adds no value to your day. 
Yeah, totally. And just mm. scrolling through Instagram, looking at everyone's picture perfect to parent lives and yeah. making yourself feel bad. No, just True. go and smile and say hi to someone. <laughs> So with your travel, um, how have you maintained, you have such a close um, network of girlfriends. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see. I, whenever I see you girls post stuff like that, it reminds me of my mates um, from high school as well because it's not often that you see a group of people stay that size, you know, as we all enter into adulthood with families and kids, it becomes harder. But to be able to maintain that relationship, those relationships is, is great. And um, I think it's even more interesting to hear your take on it, given that you live across the other side of the world, um, you travel so much and you, you are here for periods of time, obviously every year, but um, how do you then look from, a, from one of our super well pillars is connection. So we've just discussed around stuff about connecting with people, people who are just, um, you may only ever meet once in your life, but being able to um, be a connected human being in that form. But what about the people who are closest to you? How do you stay connected with everything that you're doing? Well, we're very lucky now these days with technology, thankfully. And so what has really kept me and my, my best friends from back in back when we were teenagers uh, constantly connected is because we have our group WhatsApp chat and yeah. you know most of them are mothers now. And the whole thing is like sharing uh, kids pictures and just whatever stories, uh, whatever funny little things are going on or just little memes or whatever. And we just make each other laugh. And cause now most of us don't live in the same city, you know, three are in Perth, one's in Sydney. I think three are in Melbourne and I'm over in LA. And, um, but just having that just and it, you know it might be just once a week sometimes it's not like we're in touch every day but it just keeps that going and uh that just really really helps but also though like that's an obvious connection but um there are plenty of friends that i might not actually make contact with for for a year for example and i think it's important to to not have expectations um a lot of people put expectations on friendships and think a, they put pressure on themselves, which is then exhausting to make sure they keep that co constant contact, right? No, I've got to make sure I check in with them at least once a fortnight or whatever it is that you think is being a responsible friend. But take the expectations away from yourself and from other people. And then when you have an opportunity to reconnect, it should just feel like no time passed. And yeah. there shouldn't be any resentment for like, well, you didn't ask me how I was for the last 12 months. Like there shouldn't be any of that. It's just like, we're here together now. What, how are you? Like, and, and, and then it just feels like no time passed and you've been friends since you're 15 and, and that's how it should be. So I think expectations are the biggest like uh, joy killer in life, in all parts of life, but also particularly for friendships. Totally. I've got a friend like that. We were best mates through, he went to Xavier, but um, from primary school through high school, he was probably my best non like schoolmate, you know, is in that he went to a different um, high school. We spent every weekend together. He lives in Chicago. We barely speak. Um, he's busy. I'm busy, you know, and then, but you send messages here and there. He comes home every sort of 12 months, 18 months. We catch up for a game of golf. And when we're playing golf, it's like we were 15. It, it feels like it's exactly the same, um, you know, and it's great because you just pick it up um, where you left off last time. Yeah, it's so nice. And it's a nice, like, it's a, it's a nice feeling of, like, reminding you that you're still you, like you're still that 15-year-old kid. And, and it's, it's, it's just, it's a, there's an, a beautiful comfort in it, I guess, catching up with old friends from when you were young. Yeah, totally. Now, we talked about um, the a disaster bringing the best out of people um, and people binding together. I cannot get through this podcast without speaking about um, poker players for Australian wildlife. 
so I don't want to steal your thunder because people who listen to this may not have heard this story. So let's talk about the amazing initiative that you set up. Um, so I want to make sure we give you um, the, the praise necessary. This was your initiative. You set it up when the bushfires were happening early this year. Um, you take it from here. <laughs> You're so sweet. And thank you for supporting it so much and still supporting it. Um, you know, so I was in Melbourne in January. So I try to go home at least a couple of times a year. And uh, every January, uh, Angel and I always go to Australia. And we were in Melbourne, staying in the city. We, we had this Airbnb. And I remember this, uh, it was the day that all the smoke had come into Melbourne and completely blanketed the city and it was just mortifying because you see stuff on the news and it feels kind of far away until you see it with your own eyes right suddenly it becomes so real and that's what happened to me that day when I woke up that morning I could smell the smoke even with no windows open and uh the city just we had this beautiful view over South Bank and uh you couldn't see the buildings across the river it was just so smoky and I was mortified and I felt helpless I was just I, I didn't know what to do I, I was like what I, I had no idea what I could do and so I thought um, so, because a few years ago, this huge earthquake hit Mexico City and it devastated Mexico City. Actually, this, the, the town that we live in, um, Angel and I have an apartment there too. And um, Angel was there at the time. I was in New Jersey for for work. Um, and it, like, the whole neighborhood was ravaged, right? And so, while I was at work, I started this fundraiser because Angel and a few poker players were right in the heart of it, like, digging with people so I started tweeting and sharing to the poker community, like and sending photos, like these are these people that you know, they're there. And so we raised $40,000 that week for them to be able to buy water and tools and supplies and gloves for all of the villagers and they drove around and helped. And so while I was in Australia this year and I saw that smoke and I felt helpless, I remembered that time and I thought the poker community, I've seen so much generosity come from the poker community in the past. And so I thought, you know, I'm not in the thick of it. I'm not out fighting the fires, but maybe I could help. I'll, I'll put a Facebook fundraiser out there and I'll put a, a goal of $10,000. It's probably a bit high, I thought. 10000 Australian dollars as well, right? And, uh, and I thought it was a bit high. I was like, if we get 2K, whatever, it's going to help some, a wildlife park. And so I, I made the beneficiary, um, the Australia Zoo Wildlife Warriors, which is Steve Irwin's wildlife hospital. And... Um, we got to the $10,000 goal in 12 hours. Yeah. I couldn't believe how quickly it happened because at the time, you know, it was global news and I'm so grateful for that, but the whole world was so attentive on Australia at that time because it was devastating. Oh, it was and, um, crazy. Yeah, and so we hit that in 12 hours and so I couldn't believe it, so I raised it to 20,000. And anyway, I ended up raising it to 50,000 and then 100,000 because we were making $10,000 a day yeah. in, in, in donations. I have never been, for, for about 10 days straight, I think I slept two or three hours a night because I was just buzzing like a freaking Energizer bunny yeah. with excitement because all of this support is coming in. It suddenly turned into my full-time job of just collecting all of this money because not everyone could do the Facebook payments. So they would PayPal me or Venmo me or all these other ways. And then I'd do the transfer and I'm getting these international transfers from like Germany, Romania, America, like all over the place. And I was just so overwhelmed. And then suddenly all these poker outlets and uh, this radio shows and stuff were like having me on to talk about it. I suddenly became like this reporter for the Australian bushfires for, for overseas. Yeah. Um, and it was just the best 10 days ever. And I just, it just felt so 
rewarding to be dedicating my time to the greater good of the world. And it was something that was completely, yeah. it wasn't for me at all. And I was sleepless nights. I was, I was being a terrible friend to my friends who had come to Australia with us because I wasn't hanging out with them. When we were at dinner, I'm on my phone. Like I was just going, but I didn't care because it was for the koalas. It was for the animals. It was for Australia. And it just was the best feeling. It was so, so just, Oh, I just Amazing. did it. I worked awesome. up a sweat telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it does speak to you coming from this heart place, you know, as a caring person, caring for your, caring for other people, caring for the planet, um, which is really why I wanted to ask these, these questions. We've gone down this space in the beginning is because, um, you know, it's a significant component of who you are as a being, right? And um, I think that leads to if you overlay conscious decision-making from a heart space um, position, you, you make decisions like that, you know, and decisions that are better for the world, better for yourself, better for your community, which is, um, you know, what the more people we have doing that, um, the better the world will be, right? If we, if we can try and channel people down that path. Now, um, you um, also... I had to write a letter for you one day um, to try and help um, you get a second fridge for your hotel room. <laughs> I was scamming the system. You were helping yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, to try and help you with your supplements, right? You know, and obviously when you travel, you're very conscious of your health and well-being. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your health ideals because we spoke a little bit about food, so we understand that position. But, um, yeah, you obviously... Um, try and keep yourself as well as possible. Um, where does that stem from, your thinking around that? And um, what are some of the things that you enjoy doing um, as, as part of that? I think you trained a mate in LA as well, did you, with Jimmy? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, I forgot you know Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I love Jimmy. Yeah. Yes, it's an Aussie gym here in LA, which I yeah. love because, A, it's, you know, obviously it's a it's a a motivating factor in my life to get going but it's in my little dose of home and it's just mostly Australians that are all there so it's like my my 45 minutes of Australia <laughs> makes yeah. me feel connected. Good. Um, um, but yeah I uh, like I like to keep reinforcing not perfect at all but I like to lead a healthy lifestyle as much as possible but I also love eating out I love food I'm living in casinos a lot of the year uh, with my job and that means eating a lot of probably oil salt covered foods and you know okay so be it but where I can make better choices I always try to and so you know I just try to bring some balance in by traveling with you know green powders and stuff because when you're in a hotel room you know it's it's harder to make smoothies or whatever um when I go to Vegas I drive so that I can load up my my boot because so LA to Vegas, it's a three and a half hour drive. So rather than flying, I, I drive so I can bring my blender and I can bring my kettle to make a cup of tea and just add some yeah. normalities like that, uh, that you don't have in a hotel room. Um, but it's, uh, this is a timely that you ask this actually, because I, um, I, I love to look at my body as my science project as much as I can. And I want to, be as as I want to thrive as much as possible but I'm not obsessive or fixated on it so I work out and stuff but right now to be honest during quarantine I have been 
so bad <laughs> exercising. I, you know, I've gone for like, a, I go for a few runs maybe, but I have not been like the, I was always up at 6.30 in the morning. I was at a 7 a.m. training mate, a hit class. You know, I was really in a good routine and that's all gone out the door. Um, but that's okay. I'm letting myself enjoy this, this slowness that we're all yeah. experiencing and I'm, I'm just enjoying it while I can. And uh, who knows when I'll go back. Um, <laughs> But, but so I recently went, there's this, there's these places in uh, LA that just, they're kind of new. It's called Next Health and I, I'm, it's my new obsession. They're like these like one stop uh, health, like biohacking centers. And it, they're so cool. Like they're so uh, crisp when you walk in and like really like walking into the future. It's like, you know, these like, oh, it's all white and, and, and luxurious and cool but it's like a health clinic and they do all these like blood tests you can get iv trip uh, drips you can go cryotherapy bars and, and and all these like gadgets they have all these health gadgets so i um went and had my they called it it's called a baseline test where i got a blood blood work done and they test rather than like if you go to a gp and you just get you know the macro things looked at these guys tested 80 different markers of all of, of where my health is at, you know, my protein, my vitamin D, inflammation, uh, hormones, everything. And it was just so fun to, to talk. I had, it was a phone consult, obviously now because uh, we're all distancing, but to chat on the phone to this nurse for an hour about where I'm at, it was so satisfying because, you know, like, hey, I'm getting enough protein. And as a vegetarian, it's like, yes, like I just feel like I'm kicking goals. And so it's kind of rewarding guys <laughs> to like, get these, uh, uh, to get these actual uh, figures to, to tell me if I'm doing all right. And it just helps with that science project idea of, because we, we, we're changing all the time and we're all very different and you can read as many books and listen to podcasts and stuff, but what you need, Marcus, is probably totally different to what I need. And so it's kind of just always playing with, these different variables and, and mixing it up and thinking and trying to find what makes me thrive. And so, yeah, I just try to keep being the best I can. In that way. Oh, that's good. That's kind of the answer we want, right? Cause underpinning like all decision-making is some sort of philosophical positioning. And that came out a number of times there. Like you're trying to help yourself thrive. You know, you want to express your vita your vitality to its maximum. Um, and you can see it like um, you're, you're energetic and vibrant and, you know, you look healthy, you know, like you, it, it it expresses through that. I, I yesterday had um, some food that I otherwise would not normally have, uh, have um, and I can feel it like, and I can see it actually in my skin. Um, I can particularly, I get, um, I get slight coloration changes and I'm like, Oh, I feel like that it, it definitely relates to some sort of gut, you know, irritation um, in, in relation to that. Um, so if anyone sees me with some, um, some skin discoloration, they'll know why. Oh, your, <laughs> your gut's fucked up. Um, but, um, so, you know, um, so, um, what about sleep routines? Um, I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about given you travel to different time zones and sleep is so important for health and wellbeing. How do you how do you um, navigate that situation? And have you got any little uh, gadgets or stuff you use to try and help help with that? Uh, you know, I get that question a lot, and I feel pretty lucky. I sleep like a champion. I've never had a problem. I can sleep anywhere. I sleep on planes. I and you know sometimes jet lag will will hit me, but it's rare. It doesn't happen too often, and um, and maybe it's just because I've been swapping time zones for so long that maybe my body is just used to it. I'm not sure, but 
it is so irritating though when you do have a sleepless night. Um, and so when it does occasionally happen, I don't know, I just, um, you know, eye masks always help, you know, because any sort of light can be distracting if there's sort of light coming in through the windows and, and, and putting on, if you just go onto YouTube and look for like a sleep assistance playlist or something, you know, and just some really calming music. Cause usually if I am up at night, it's cause I'm anxious about something. Taking yeah. magnesium really helps. Yeah. Uh, if, if it is anxiety that's keeping you awake, that helps me. I always have uh, that. Um, I've been taking ashwagandha lately. Okay. And I think that's really helped. I am, I actually feel, and it could also be because I'm just loving life in lockdown and I love being at home. Yeah. Um, but I'm the happiest ever, as ever, like the last couple of months. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with the ashwagandha I'm taking because it just, it's supposed to be a bit of a mood balancer. And it also helps with sleep and rest and having a restful yeah. uh, sleep and uh, helps with anxiety. Because I definitely have bouts of anxiety. Um, and I think, yes, it could be attached to like a mental thing, but I often feel like the anxiety that we experience is a, is a supplemental thing like yeah. magnesium. You know, we could think that we're suffering depression and we're going through all this, but actually you just need a little magnesium in your body and you're okay. Yeah. So yeah, finding that balance. Yeah, it's actually funny because I did a marathon last year and I've, I've lost, I, at the start of ISO, I weighed the same that I weighed when I was 16, right? Which is like, I haven't weighed that low for so since then, right? <laughs> 20 years. Um, but then um, I want to put a, I just want to put some weight on. Like I, I was feeling like a little bit weak. So I started eating, consuming more meat again, right? Because I was eating mostly, I was eating meat fish once a week and meat once a week and then the rest of the time plant-based right and so i started eating meat and i've put two kilos on and i feel like a different person like i feel mentally like in a different space um uh and it's not just um being in iso like because i i mean my life hasn't changed dramatically other than i'm not going to work um which i'm probably missing some human to human contact so i feel like if anything i've got some sort of deficiency in what my life was prior to this from a lifestyle perspective, but I've, the one thing I have changed is, is what I'm eating. And I've just put in, I, I think I was a bit deficient, like nutrient deficient um, without realizing. And I'm very conscious around those things generally, but um, I clearly I've had obviously got myself to a point where I was, I, my body was just ticking along. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't caving in, but it was it needed more. And so you're right. Like sometimes these things stem from a chemical position. It's not necessarily a mental thing. You can have a happy life, but um you know, it can, it can be those things, but it's a very complicated situation that you can, there's always multiple variables, you know, um, even just, and we can get a bit woo woo here. I know that you'll love this, but some people probably um, struggle to get into these mind spaces, but the collective energy of, of the world right now is an anxious energy. And yeah. um, we're, we're an energetic being, we receive and give energy. So how can we not be impacted by, um, the energy that's around us, you know, even if we're not going out of our house, it's still impacting us through the news, through um, just speaking to other people who are our friends, but even their language is different just subtly um, because of everything that's going on. So that all combined has to have an impact on us and our own expression as well. Yeah, for sure. Although I yeah. do like to think though that the rest of the world, like all the animals and, and the environment is having an opposite experience and it's uh, thriving completely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, we're probably impacted by our human negativity or anxiety, but like the rest of the world's going brilliantly, you know, yeah. dolphin, dolphins in the canals of Venice, you know, <laughs> amazing. Yes, I know. It's just, it's, yeah, we're all in our cages where we belong to for a little bit of payback so they can yeah, exactly. all take a nice deep breath. Yeah, exactly. We're in the zoo right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, there was one thing, what else? Ha I have a little question this year for you. Um, oh yeah. Um, you're think, so good at this, by the way. I'm not used to having you interview me. Suddenly, you're a host. I love this. It's so yeah, cool. it's um, it's. I like to try and do go down different paths too. Like I've never really sort of copied everyone else. I like doing my own thing. Um, and you yeah, people. Um, I've had a couple of people who are patients actually when I started doing this say you're you're a really good interviewer. And I'm like, well, I didn't really didn't know that was a skill set, but anyway. Um, you know, and you know what the key is, which I'm recognizing in you. The number one most important, uh, well, one of the most important things about a good interviewer is a good listener. Mm -hmm. You listen. So many yeah. interviewers don't listen and they just have their checklist to knock off and then they, you miss the magic if you're not listening. And it's the same with life, right? Like if you're kind of like just fixated on making things happen and like goals and you're not paying attention uh, to the opportunities that are coming a little from, from the left, yeah. Uh, then you miss the magic. And so, yeah, you're good. Totally. Well, I think that when I started doing this, what I realized is it's not good to have a plan because if you have a plan, you don't listen, you know, you're too worried about the plan. Um, and these are a conversation, you know, and um, I hadn't thought about your mum being, um, your mum, dad being from Ireland um, before, ever before in relation to you traveling yourself for your job, you know, um, and how that, how that feeds into that. Um, but if, if you don't listen, you don't hear those, those things. I'm blurry. Yeah. And that just changed. It just changed a second ago. I was like, hang on. It's, and I moved in close, even though it was your screen that was blurry. I'm like, wonder what's going on here. But we don't go. yeah, you're all right. Anyway. Um, so, um, let's <laughs> sorry. I cut you off, but you're right. And had I not grown up with, with gypsy parents, uh, I probably would never have had the, I definitely would not have had the guts I have had to jump on a plane by myself as a, as a young 20 something year old and explore the world. And yeah, so obviously it's just in my blood, like growing up bouncing from Australia to Ireland. Um, so I was born in Ireland, you know, so I back and forth, back and forth. It's just normal to me to, to travel. So yeah, mm. I like it. Now, uh, we started with you talking about who you are and how you grew up um wanting to be in acting and um you were you were the wendy's girl too um right <laughs> yes oh my god i forgot all about that <laughs> yeah um i didn't remember that i actually didn't remember it until you started talking about it at the start of this interview um <laughs> and then i remember warren proctor worked there too didn't he did he work at wendy's warren? no he didn't work there uh but we used to hang out all the time so I you know. probably just saw him with me in my uniform, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. No, because only girls worked there because my boss at the time would only hire pretty Oh, girl. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like my boss at Rebel. He had a similar <laughs> sort of um, criteria. And then um but let's let's wrap this up with um your latest achievement. Um Jessica. Ah! <laughs> yes. On neighbours. Yes, it's you know it's funny actually. I uh, really uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. I, I didn't even think to say this when you asked me about sleep because uh, my episode was on at six thirty your time, which is like one thirty in the morning for me. So um, mm. I did, was up all night last night. Like yeah, I didn't. 
<laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'm a neighbours, which is so exciting as that that young actor that like that was always a dream as a child. You know, I grew up watching neighbours and um, uh, yeah, and the, yeah, I mean, it's just a couple of episodes. Who knows? Maybe she'll come back. But yeah. it was so much fun. Well, that first episode, I was watching it. I was, I was just watching. I'm like, oh, there's Lynn. And I was like, holy shit. She's just like fast moving Lynn on um, Jessica, <laughs> just straight into it. <laughs> yeah, so my character's very forward. She's, uh, yeah. she's not shy at all. But it was so fun to play. And that's why I really enjoy acting because you get to, we all have parts of ourselves, you know, that um, um, uh, we have different parts of ourselves that we've kind of trained to to not let out, I guess, uh, and, and uh, to, we've learned to behave in a certain way in society. And so when you're acting, you can let out and uncage these different parts of yourself. And I, it's, so it was so fun to play her, which she was way more forward um, than I've ever been. And, but how fun to just suddenly be this courageous, confident woman that just goes for what she wants. Like, hey, you want to go home with me? Yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Like it's, it is good. I think it's funny that acting does provide that. I'd never thought of that before, but I've got some great friends who are, you know, stage performers and actors and speaking to them and, and watching them getting character is just, you know, amazing. And they're amazing to have at dinner parties as well, because it's just <laughs> hilarious. Um, so the, like we, we had a bit of a chat before this podcast because I'm changing the direction a little bit with it, which is great because you're at the start of the podcast. So you're at the start of the change of direction too, which is awesome. Um, yeah. And really what I am trying to do with the, the whole soup whale concept is to try and help people come back to the whale, come back to a place where they can figure out how to be the best expression of who they are. So if I think of life, I think of life being the uh, health is the natural expression of life. And that's different for every individual. Um, we all have our own unique um, time on this planet, our own unique soul uh, that wants to express itself in, in in its best possible way. I've sort of tried to code sort of six pillars for that, um, which are um, food, movement, mindset, sleep, connectedness with you know um, your immediate community and also the wider community, and also environment and surrounds, which is again your local close environment, like choosing healthier makeups and creams or also looking at the wider the wider environment of, of the whole planet um, like we were just speaking about um, the benefits of, of humans being in ISO um, and it's great that there is a lot of consciousness in this space but what I what I spend a lot of time in my job trying to help people understand is how to find the balance point between that the reason I wanted to interview you is because you are someone that is working on all of these elements at once and you seem to be in this nice oscillation of balance so you know like like right now exercise may have dropped off and go to that place but you're now you're nourishing you're just using the time to nourish yourself in another way and you know that at some point in time that'll come back and then you're just going to keep oscillating through so the last thing i'd love for this interview is is for you to try and give your best piece of advice for people that are trying to trying to find that balance for themselves as well like what you know how how can if, if people wanted to go through a process to achieve that, what would you suggest they do? Ooh. So I, well, I feel like, cause I, I did I used to, I used to blog and I used to have my three pillars, which are kind yep. of similar to you. And I would always talk about the, the three for me, it was be well, travel often, life's good. And be well is obviously, you know, nourishing yourself, um, 
nutritionally, like through food, through exercise and, and your well-being. Um, travel often was, it's always just sort of embracing exploration in life. And it's not necessarily getting on a plane and going to an exotic place because that's not accessible to everyone, especially right now. Um, but, you know, traveling through a, a new a class you've never taken before, like karate, whatever, just trying new things, taking a different path on your walk to just, you know, looking up at the trees that you don't usually look at. Uh, because you're looking down at the ground or at your phone, um, just exploring and just having that attitude of exploration, um, even new books, whatever, uh, trying a different fashion style and just putting an outfit together that you have never done before, just whatever, playing, just, just playful. And then um, in Life's Good, it was actually a nickname that I've had since I was a teenager yeah. because of my initials, LG. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, when I first was given this nickname it was like my life did change and life did become good because it became my mantra and i suddenly i remember it was myspace days and so yep. <laughs> my myspace page was fully like life's good branding and so that became my theme but it was like my theme in life and then i and people would call me oh gee life's good life's good and it, it i so now i fully i fully believe in mantras and and just embracing that like embracing whatever it is that you want to feel just remind yourself that's what you want to feel and you'll end up it's like faking it till you make it it'll end yeah. up becoming a reality because you start looking for the reasons so like where, where is it that life's good right now that i can post on my myspace or whatever but like i made you know it just became yeah. like a pattern that i was seeking and it became then just part of me and um i still to this day now like 20 years later um fully fully believe in in looking for what's good and yeah and all of that comes from just being in a place of gratitude like i really feel like that's no matter what always coming back to gratitude um and just finding whatever it is that you can find in life to be grateful for uh there's always something whether it's just realizing that you can take a big deep breath because there's a lot of people on the planet right now that can't you know yeah. things like that uh, it just, just to remember that there's so much that we have and stop being fixated on what you don't have because we are surrounded by everything that we need. Yep. Great, great words of wisdom, LG. And do you know what? Again, last night when I was thinking about that whole um, MySpace Facebook thing, um, I did think of life's good, right, at the time. And then back to the interview thing, I had it here as something to, to a talking point in case, you know, I wanted to bring it up and I had just completely omitted it. So I'm glad you brought that up because it is, it, it's a great thing. And you do, you are, um, you typify your own mantra um, by the way you execute, which is great, you know. Um, and that comes back to a bit of like Joe Dispenza, sort of Bruce Lipton kind of, um, you know, their, their teaching as well. You know, you, you create it through your, through your mind. Um, yeah. But then also remembering too, uh, again, going back to the idea that like piss off with labels, you know, and, and the expectations and the rules and the perfection. Yes. I go by the mantra life's good. And, uh, I in general am a happy person, but hell yes. Do I have my down days and I'm a grumpy bitch sometimes, you know, and it's fine. Yeah. Like that's okay. And so, uh, and I think I used to put pressure on myself when I was younger, like, no, I always have to be the happy one. And I always have to, you know, and that's unrealistic. It's just, yeah. so just, be go easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Totally. Totally. We're all human. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time um, and your energy and enthusiasm. 
Um, and I'm honored. Thank you so much. No so worries. Set up and record yeah. it. <laughs> I know. I know. That's great. And um, yeah, I know. We should catch up more often. I know the the world is allowing us to connect in in these ways. It's a good it, it's a good lesson from all of this, really. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're we're more connected than ever in some ways, and yeah. we're so lucky we have technology to get us through this. Cause oh. I can imagine what it would have been like back in the early 1900s when they went when humans went through this. How disconnected yeah. you would have felt. Oh, it would have been terrible, you know. And then that loneliness probably contributed to why it got you know it was more harmful. You know, people were probably more separate. Right. All right. Well, have a great evening over there. Thank you. Good morning to you. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Yoey. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we are back because um, Lynn and I decided we would have a good little gas bag at the end of the recording. And um, for those international listeners um, who don't know what a gas bag is, um, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a bit of a general chit-chat. Um, and we started going down another path and we're like, well, we need to record this because, um, it's also important information about how we evolve as people. Um, and then Lynn was just about to jump into something and she said, I should have said this in the podcast. I'm like, well, you know what? Let's do it now. Let's add it in. So here we go. Well, to preface it, we, you were said you were telling a good story. We were having a, a good exchange just about like, because obviously you and I have known each other for a long time and we've gone through stages of our lives where uh, had if I were to run into someone today that knew me when I was 21, they'd probably be like, oh, that girl, she's off the rails. Like I was, you know, be, you know, I was a drunk. I was, you know, aggressive sometimes when I drink, right? Like we all- That's the Irish. That's the Irish heritage coming out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But even though when I look back and I think that was a bit of a darker stage of my life, I'm very grateful for it because it's- you know, we don't know joy unless we know pain and we we have to go through the ups and downs to really find that balance and, and know what happiness is. And, and um, it's normal too. We're human. We're not linear creatures. We, we go in and out of different waves of emotions. But um, what I was going to tell you, and then we, you were like, wait, 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 let's hit record, is um, I when I went through a big, big, big shift in my life, I... Uh, it was actually a book called The Untethered Soul that gave me my huge awakening by Michael Singer. It's such a good book. Uh, it's very kind of similar to Power of Now by um, Eckhart Tolle. And uh, it was just like, it just made me realize, like he calls our thoughts the, the, the roommate in your head, like, the, like a bitchy friend, you know, why would we listen to that bitchy friend? And that just was such an epiphany for me. And anyway, suddenly when you have that kind of, moment that shifts you you are so energized by going down this path of self of um self-development that then i thought well now i have to be a health coach right yeah. and i think i feel like so many people think if they start to take this 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 path of of working on themselves uh, and maybe you know working with their family to like uh better their lives that then that means it's a career change i don't know because there's just so many health coaches that are just yeah. a bit of a trend so i did go down that path i studied nutrition online and i uh i thought i started blogging like i thought i wanted to be a health coach because i was just so interested in in doing it for me and it made me i ended up getting bored of the idea of being a coach because i'm not i'm i'm an artist i'm an actor i'm a performer i'm a i'm a creative in something totally different that's what that lights me up in terms of my, I guess, gift for the world. Just because I'm interested in developing me, 
uh, and, and people around me and spreading a message through my art though. Like it's not, it's not that it's like, oh, because I'm interested in nutrition, I don't have to be a nutritionist. And yeah. it, it's just, it's just a part of me and, and I can deliver it in ways other than just being a coach. So, um, you know, I, I, I have an audience on Instagram, for example, but it's because of the work I do in poker and it's because of like acting or whatever and content creating, which is my art. And then from there, maybe as a byproduct, they might find out about my pants are 95% bottled bottles from the ocean or whatever. And it's kind of like, I saw those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, you don't have to, it's, a, you just don't be overwhelmed by the idea of starting to work on yourself. It doesn't yeah. mean you are now changing your life permanently you know yeah. does that make sense no it does totally and you know as a health practitioner i i i have interestingly um that's not even the right word to use i have watched with keen interest this evolution of health coaches right because yeah. people are given advice when they don't even know the fundamental physiological mechanisms behind what's happening in people's bodies and stuff and um um I'm not meaning to poo-poo that. I, what I'm meaning is that I've, I've looked at that and thought, well, where does this come from? Like, and it it has come from people's own self-realisation, um, self-actualization, their evolution as an individual and going, geez, this made me feel amazing. As a human being, I would love to help someone else do that. You know, it's this desire to try and help other people, which is a human um like connection issue you know what i mean we want to help other people we want to we see people who are not perhaps thriving like they could be and we want to try and help them um but the thing is and it's just like me working with a patient who's hurt their back you need their permission you know you need you need permission you need for them to they need to allow you into their space to try and offer up that advice which is the hardest part right we you know so the alternative is to do it via leadership which is what you do, right? And hence why I wanted to interview in the first place is it's through leadership that we can try and help influence the world by saying, hey, this is how I'm going about my life. If you want to go about it that way too, you know, here's some tools, here's some education, here's some stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think there's, because there's so many conversations about uh, helping others and how that you, you get so much fulfillment out of doing things for other people, which is true, there's almost a pressure that comes with that that's like, well, then does that mean I need to be a coach, for example? Because that is yeah. directly, there's like, you you are fully aware of the help that you are providing, but actually, no, doing what lights you up is helping everyone around you. Yeah. So like following what your art is, whatever that is for you, whatever the creativity, because we're all creative creatures, whatever it is for you, whether it's painting a picture or building a car, like it doesn't matter uh, what it is, but as long as you're happy and you're living out and, and providing your specific art that you've been gifted with for the world, uh, then, then you are already helping people because you're helping yourself. And then naturally yeah. you are going to be a leader, like you say, to everyone around you. And that idea of legacy, which is really interesting. I remember I had a pretty, there was a pretty stressful period I had at one point in time. And I, I bumped into this guy who worked at Altham Gym. You may, you may remember him. His name's Jamie Lincoln. Um, Jamie had like shaved head and had tats on his arm. He was sort of very fair skinned. Um, he would have been one of the older trainers when we were there. Um, anyway, great guy. He's he was a teacher and he's doing a PhD. I think he's studying some of the theories of Buddhism and so forth. And I bumped into him at Sushi Wushi in Altham and we we're having a chat and he was talking to me about this concept of legacy and this idea of legacy and, and impermanence uh, versus permanence through the idea of legacy and 
how you can imprint um, on other people through actions, ideas, whatever. And then, and that imprint then shifts who they are. And then um, that in essence means that you live on, you know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't have to be a significant thing. Like people think of legacy and think of, I've, I've created the ocean cleanup project and I've, I'm helping change the world to be a better place. It can be as simple as um, Angel's friend who helped you deconstruct the idea of labels around food, which has helped you become a much more vibrant individual and healthy individual um, and express yourself better without some kind of negative resonance around food, which then allows you to have a more positive impact on the people around you, you know, and then that provides a legacy. So it's a continuation from one person to the next to the next um, through our connectedness. Yes, I love that. Mm. It's just the domino snowball effect of, of kindness and positive, positive change rather than judgment, yeah. guilt, shaming that, yeah. you know, that is such a common, that's so common in our, in our society, shaming and, and, and judging when really yeah. we can just lead with kindness and make change in that totally. way. way more and there's always, a, um, there are always positives if you search for them. It's, it's interesting when you talked about, um, the, at the start of this little recording, you talked about on the opposite of joy is, is pain and so forth. When Alki was born, um, about she was about six weeks old, somewhere between four and eight weeks she was. And I had this week where I was really down, like dark, like I was having these really bad feelings. And, um, and then I just realised one day that it was love, right? Like I love her so much that I couldn't deal with like the thought of anything going wrong with her or, you know, and... Um, and made me realize that on, you know, like grief is the opposite of love. And I've talked about this to patients in the past and stuff, but to experience that yourself, like I was experiencing like the potential insult of my love. You know what I mean? Like I love her. If anything went wrong to, to her, then I would, I would feel this darkness or heaviness because of that. Um, and it's there for all of us. And I think that's a really good lesson. And it is there. There's always, whether we've got a positive or negative experience happening in the moment, there's a flip side of that that we can dial into yeah. if we want to, right? And if we dial, if we're in a positive mood and we're, like you said, um, you know, we're lucky. We're, we can take a deep breath right now, but there are a lot of people that aren't. So I'm gonna be grateful for my situation. So you can, you can dial into the negative to then allow yourself to be in a better state even more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being in this place of gratitude. Or if you're in a dark space, you can go, you know what? There's a flip side to this, you know? I've lost someone in my family, but um, you know, and there's a lot of people who'll be suffering that across the world right now, but you, you don't feel lost if you never had something that was valuable to you in the first place. Um, so you can flip it around and try and look at that value and, and the, the legacy that that person has, you know, um, endowed upon you through your experiences with them. Yeah, that was a quotable right there. That was beautiful. I know. Let's just, I'm glad I recorded this part. Hey, I'll get this transcribed. <laughs> <laughs> lovely it's, it's yeah it's really true and our Good. darkness is a gift sometimes you know it's it gives us perspective and you know what sometimes the greatest art comes from darkness some of the greatest songs that we know and poetry yeah. and stories are all from those dark dark moments yeah there's this song my favorite song of all time is a song called fade to black by metallica and it's pretty dark like the words like it's all about a guy slipping into a depressive state it seems like and then the the, the music mirrors the lyrics like it gets more painful like the music gets harder you know it starts off soft and you know 
almost a little bit sort of cathartic and then it just gets bigger and then all of a sudden it's like gritty and you know so it's got this it's this great heavy metal song but the language in it parallel in the music is a real artistic you know moment and for them to yeah you should play it and listen to it right um uh because it does like it, it it comes from a place of darkness when you when you hear it but it's great though as well yeah, mm. yeah. anyway we do, <laughs> we've got to go um, <laughs> we could do this for like 10 hours i know this is my first ever podcast add-on um so <laughs> let's see how good i go with the editing yeah. <laughs> it might be the first crap as well <laughs> yeah um so um thanks again um for being a ripper and you too, mate. uh yes mate um and i will speak to you soon all right take care say lg bye bye thanks for tuning in to another episode of the super well podcast for more information on any of our previous episodes please head over to superwell.com.au and if you want to subscribe, you can navigate your way through to the relevant platforms there. And whilst you're there, if you've liked what you've heard, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so we can continue to get the word out further. The YouTube versions of the podcast are on my channel, which can be found by clicking on the link in my bio in my Instagram account at docyo, that is at D-O-C-Y-E-O. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the handle live super well. So until the next episode, keep shining bright and live super well.